0: You are listening to the Healing Pact Podcast, a place where women of color come to share their stories and their revelations. I'm talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Here, we highlight resilience, as well as validate and normalize real emotions and experiences. We push each other to be our best selves, a beacon of hope and an advocate for change. I am your host, Melina Sadler, licensed clinician, mom of one, and a survivor of childhood sexual assault. It is my mission to get women comfortable talking about their trauma, as I believe sharing our stories can encourage others to speak up and be real about our mental health. As women of color, We need to recognize how our identity plays a role in our past suffering. However, it also equips us with everything that we need to push through the hard stuff. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe to keep up with all the new releases of new episodes. Thank you so much for listening. Be well and be encouraged. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Healing Pack podcast. I am your host, Melina Sadler licensed mental health counselor in the state of New York and licensed professional counselor in the state of Connecticut. I'm coming to you all today to talk a little bit about generational trauma. And the reason I want to talk about this is because I've been reflecting a lot lately and noticing that there are some really big differences between the generations that came before us and the generations that are now us and those under us. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because there is a clear disconnect in how we process events that happen in our life and how it impacts us. I'm noticing that starting with the millennial generation, there is this um, interest in learning more about how the things in our life impact us on a multitude of levels, not just emotionally, but physically, spiritually, you name it. So granted, the generation under us seems to be a little, what you might want to say, reckless. Um, and, And granted, I can definitely say I've seen a little bit of that. What I'm seeing from my perspective is a generation of teenagers and adults that are essentially comfortable with expressing themselves, no matter what that looks like. When we think about you know, our parents and our grandparents and maybe even our great-grandparents, they would never. So they had a, a specific way of doing things. They had specific values. And it's not to say that their values and our values are not in alignment. It's just a matter of how we value things and how we view things. And if you're someone like me who you know you're not necessarily first generation because my parents obviously migrated here my mother would have been considered first generation um you know she she came here she did the school thing she built a life here um you know at a very young age you know she came here as a teenager and i was like first born american um in in her specific family line so we do have other she obviously has other siblings and stuff like that, so I do have cousins that are older than me, but when it comes to like her specific story with her grandmother, great-grandmother and stuff like that, I am the first born American in that specific line. So I pay attention to a lot of familial family patterns And the reason I say that is because I'm noticing that there was this heavy, this heavy attention to building a better life for your children. But unfortunately, in that pattern of behavior, there was a lot of emotional neglect that was passed down. And if you take the time to really look at like our parents, especially if your parents are from another country, And maybe even your grandparents, there's this, I'm trying to figure out how to explain it. There is this like hard exterior that you might notice. And it's not to say that the person is mean or jaded or bitter in any way, but there's this hard exterior where they just don't know how to tap into their emotions and their emotional intelligence is just simply not really there. There are definitely some people I know who have parents who are able to express themselves. And I always tell them, you know, kudos to y'all because coming from the generation they came from, that wasn't really something that was considered to be normal. Um, I watch parents, not just in my life, but in other lives of like friends and, and other people that I know, and they all struggle with the same thing. They don't know how to express themselves. They can be very reactive and their ability to process their emotions tends to come a lot later. And usually it's when the person that they did a certain reaction to is now not receiving them well and it makes them think like, well, why did that happen? Or why is that person, you know, not tough enough to understand what it is I'm trying to say to them or what I'm trying to explain. And there's been this disconnect and a lot of pushback between that generation and our generation, the millennial generation, because we now have the language to say the things that we feel. We have the language to describe a lot of these behaviors. And we notice that there's a level of toxicity there. There's a level of narcissism there that doesn't get talked about. And a lot of times we butt heads over it because we were always taught, or at least I was, growing up that you shouldn't, you know, talk back. You shouldn't put yourself in a place to feel like you're speaking back or undermining your parent or ancestor, elder, in any way, shape, or form. And this not only translates to what happens inside of the home, it also translates to community, you know. So my family grew up in... um you know, specific type of environment where anyone could be be your uh, disciplinarian. You know, my parents talk a lot about getting in trouble in school and getting like hit by the teacher. And then the teacher calls your mom and then your mom hits you. Then daddy comes home and daddy hits you. And then sometimes the neighbor will hear about it and they'll hit you too. And it's like all these people spanking you and hitting you. And the fear that develops from that, isn't necessarily changing the behavior because one thing I can definitely say is I've never heard of somebody getting a spanking once in their life. Spankings are something that happened throughout their lifespan and it's because spankings essentially don't work. It's not gonna stop children from making normal mistakes. It's not gonna necessarily stop bad behavior and I really want people, especially people of color, to really be free of this like the shackles <laughs> the shackles that spanking has you under. There are other ways to discipline your children and I really honestly believe, you know, and it, and it's hard because I am of this culture. I probably got butt whoopings until nineteen years old. And it really came to a point where I was like, this gotta stop. Like you, you're not about to hit me. I'm, a, I'm in college. I'm a whole adult now. You're not about to hit me. This is embarrassing. But, you know, I can remember having that moment and I can remember my mom being completely caught off guard. Like, did you just tell me to stop hitting you? And it's like, I did because what is hitting me doing? You know, I look at my brother who's now 29 years old and his butt whooping stopped at like 11. And that's because he stood up to them and was like, listen, It doesn't work and it doesn't hurt. And it's like if that wasn't enough to let you know that you should try another method, then I don't know what is. Because realistically, you know, a lot of children, they may cry all day. They may cry for a couple of seconds, but they're going to test those limits again. And it's not necessarily them being woeful or provoking. And yes, kids will provoke you. They will Drive you nuts if you let them. But a lot of life is really going out there making mistakes. When children learn how to walk, they topple over all the time. But that doesn't stop them from trying because it's something that they're trying to do. And I'm not going to necessarily compare that to the bad things that kids are out there doing in life. But we have to find ways to pay attention to what came before us and fix it moving forward because there's a level of ignorance that is passing down generation to generation to generation. And there's a saying like, you know, if you knew better, you do better. And I wholeheartedly believe that. But at the same time, I feel like there are people who are committed to not wanting to know. They don't want to know better. They don't want to be held accountable for doing better. So they just continue doing whatever they feel works for them, whether it's working or not. And as millennials, I feel like we're finally in a place where we're embracing things like therapy. We're embracing things like negative emotions. We're embracing things like I don't want my children or my friends or my loved ones to be on the negative end of anything that has to do with me because I didn't work on myself. And I notice a lot of times when we do hear things like apologies or we do hear some sort of reflective behavior from the generations that came before us, it's when they're sick or when they're dying. And it's like, why are you going to wait till now? Why are you going to wait till now to try to let me know that you acknowledge that you've did some wrongdoings or that you did something that Could have been corrected. You know, there are a lot of women out there that have been talking about their strained relationships with their mothers. And it's heartbreaking for me, you know, because that's been my experience for a majority of my life. But I see women out there that don't have that experience and they tend to feel a little offended when they hear this narrative that a lot of women, especially black women and their mothers just simply don't get along that the mother is jealous of them or that the mother is like vicariously living through them and it's causing them issues with their self-esteem and two things can be true at the same time, you know? So it's, it's not a matter of all mothers are like this because we know that's simply not true, However, it doesn't mean that you should be dismissing the fact that it does exist for other people because I can tell you firsthand, I loved my mother to death. I still love her even though she's not here, but I did not like her for a good chunk of my life. And I honestly wish that she tried a little bit harder to mend our relationship early on. And I feel like things didn't start kind of coming to head until I started accomplishing certain things that she wanted. And when I became a mother, I feel like that's when she really tried really hard to mend our relationship because I was extremely, extremely adamant that none of this negative behavior is passing to my son. You're not going to make him feel like he's inferior in any way. You're not going to make him feel like something's wrong with him. And you're definitely not going to berate his mother in his presence. So whether you feel like he's a baby or a toddler, they are watching you. And I'm not going to expose him to any of the toxicity I had to deal with. And I know it's hard to hear as a grandparent because At the end of the day, a lot of them believe that they did the best that they could. And, you know, they most likely did do the best that they could with what they knew. But I feel like when you have someone telling you over and over, this is not the way to do it. That's not right. Don't treat me that way. That's not what I said. Don't put words in my mouth. And you just continue and continue and continue. At that point, you're not trying to listen. And... I don't like to go too much into detail about the things that I've dealt with only because people have a different version of what they know to be my mom. I'm not going to say she was a bad person because she wasn't. But when people pass away, people have a tendency to try to tell you like how wonderful people were. And it's like, yeah, okay. But you still can't tell me who my mother was to me. You know, because at the end of the day, the way she treated you as a friend or a colleague or a peer is not necessarily the same way she treated me as a mother. And whether you feel like I turned out great or not doesn't mean that I'm not dealing with things that stem from my childhood. And as a therapist, it's harder because... I'm able to put more meaning to the things that I go through and experience on a day to day basis. You know, the average person just walks around and, you know, they experience life and they try their best to conceptualize what's happening to them. But as a therapist, it's really hard to take that therapist hat off and really not therapize the situation. Because you're sitting here and you'll be like, wow, okay, you know, this situation happened to me. I feel bad about it. I want to cry about it. And then, you know, the therapist side of me is like, well, that person gaslit you. So, you know, that's more of a reflection of who they are than it is, you know, and it's like... (laughs) You know, you're going through all of this and it's almost like that old visual of having like the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other and you're trying to figure out like... Which thought process or which path do I need to pay attention to, to be able to move through this experience, to not feel like I'm dismissing my values and the things that are important to me, but still putting myself in a position to communicate effectively so that, again, no one is on the reactive end of anything negative attached to me. And it's hard. It's hard a lot of times to think about how to go about handling These situations because I never want to be in a position where my son has to heal from anything that I have going on. And as a mother, I don't want him to see me too, too emotional all the time. I don't want him to see me struggle. But, you know, these are naturally things that are part of life. And in some ways, him being a neurodivergent child, I'm blessed because there's a lot of things that he just simply does not pick up on. If I'm crying, um, you know, the the average child might, you know, say, Mommy, why are you crying or notice? My son is still considered nonverbal. I could be <laughs> it's not funny, but I could be really going through like the worst time of my life. I could be boohooing, snot nose crying, and he will be going about his day. He'll be playing, he might look over at me, notice something, and go right back to doing what he's doing, he's just completely oblivious. And Um, You know, it's it's interesting sometimes and it's funny to me sometimes only because sometimes that's the reality check that I need because I'm like, why am I boohoo crying over this situation? And it's not that I shouldn't express my emotions because I do, but sometimes I take it a little overboard and I want to make sure that I'm paying attention to how I'm acting because whether he is neurodivergent or not, whether he's autistic or not, He is going to pick up on a lot of my behaviors. He has a lot of my mannerisms um, just naturally, you know, and I know that he watches everything that I do. So whether he's picking up on little things or not, he's watching. And I'm trying to be mindful of that. And there are, you know, wonderful qualities that I can take from those that came before me. But I really want people to remember that you know heavy is the back of the person who is trying to break these generational cycles like that ability to release that ignorance is very difficult like i really don't want any of it to touch any of the generations that come after me and that is a really really big responsibility and a lot of times You may look around in your life and say like, why does this keep happening to me? Why is there always something going like, why can I never just have a calm moment in my life? And it's like, if you're the one that is essentially fighting off all these things, You're fighting off all these things, the burdens and, you know, the things that plagued your family for years and years and generations to come. You are going to be faced with every challenge. (laughs) And if you're a spiritual person, the devil listens to everything you say just like God does. And he going to throw stuff at you. And you're going to have to be able to figure out what it is you need to do to be able to bypass it, get past it, step over it, move around it. It's not going to be easy, but that's why working on yourself is so important. You have to take the time to do the things that our parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents didn't do. And it's not their fault, again, because they didn't have the tools, but we do. They had other priorities, which a lot of the times was providing for their family. And as long as they're doing that, then they are a good parent. We know now that that is not enough. We have to be able to feed our children on a multitude of levels and scales. We have to be able to take care of them physically. We have to be able to provide for them physically. But we also have to be able to tap into their emotions as well. We have to make sure that we are raising well-rounded citizens And that's not something that our parents really had the time or the energy to focus on. Maybe at some point once, maybe they came to America and they built the life that they needed to, they were able to tap into those things. But at that point, for a lot of people, it was too late because they didn't know how to do it. And again, they didn't have the language, they didn't have the tools and... They do their best to go about their life the best way they know how, but we know better. So we have to do better. We have to be able to model for them. We have to do better with our children so they can model for their children and their peers and their loved ones and their friends. Because everyone doesn't walk the same path. And everyone doesn't know what you're dealing with on the inside. You can be that woman Or that man that's always smiling on social media, but you're crying at night. Nobody knows what we deal with on a day-to-day basis. And that's why it's important to be kind to people. Because a lot of people tell me all the time they would never, ever know that I went through the things that I went through. Because I try my best to put my best foot forward every day. I try my best to be a positive person. I try my best to treat people the way I feel people deserve to be treated. And granted, I don't always receive that same energy back. I'm not going to go out of my way to be a jerk or an asshole to someone simply because they are incapable of loving and doing what they need to do to be a decent human being. That is my responsibility to worry about myself. And if there's someone around me that is incapable of doing that and and unwilling, because that's a different thing. It's one thing to be incapable. It's another thing to also be unwilling to acknowledge and to try to do better. Those people cannot be a part of my life and they cannot be around me and they cannot be around my child. That's where boundaries come in. If there is any part of your life that you feel like you are constantly complaining about and trying to make sense of, that's probably the areas that you need to assert more boundaries so that you can change that narrative. So just wanted to talk about that today because it was something that popped into my mind. I honestly also saw a sermon recently um, from Pastor Mike Todd talking about this. And he specifically said, like, it can't touch my babies. And that really resonated with me because it absolutely cannot. I'm going to shield my son with everything in me, and I'm hoping moving forward that my bloodline can be able to experience what it truly means to have an abundant lifestyle because I'm going to implement those same values into him. He is not going to have a life full of scarcity. I don't care what his diagnosis is. He is going to have a life of abundance. He's going to be able to enjoy all the things that everyone else is able to enjoy. And he is going to share that love and that happiness with everyone else. And I want you all to think about doing the same. It's a new year. Work on yourself. Make sure you're working on yourself. Make sure you're spreading positivity into the world so that you can get it back. And if you're not getting it back, I need you to reevaluate who's in your life and who's in your environment. There are a lot of things in life we can't control, but we can control ourselves. And sometimes you have to focus on that in order to have the capacity to focus on everything else. So I'm going to end that here. Um, Definitely think about what I said and be well, be encouraged. I will see you all next week for the next episode. Take care.